Marquan Smith is our guest today. He's the executive producer and creator of Godfather of Harlem featuring Forrest Whitaker. How's it going, Marquan? I'm good, man. Thank you for having me, brother. Hey, you know what? It's such a great uh, thing you guys got going on over on Epics and City TV here in Canada, Godfather Harlem. And Forrest really does it well, doesn't he? Forrest is an amazing person. Now, as an actor myself, you know, it's amazing to watch his work and see how he channels different characters and becomes that character. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I honestly couldn't think of a better person to reprise the role of Bumpy <clears throat> Johnson. Um, and, and, and if anyone who, who hasn't watched a show before, Bumpy Johnson's actually very, very popular amongst the gangsters in New York. Uh, he helped three people ex- escape from Alcatraz, somehow had a boat waiting yeah. for them. Uh, it's absolutely crazy. Yeah. Um, what an incredible time. Uh, to have a show like this because it runs in parallel as uh, of what was happening in 1963 at that time, right? Yeah, absolutely. The show um, was created by uh, Chris Brancato, who's the showrunner. And, you know, I'm the initiator of this project. It took me 18 years to actually bring this to fruition. Chris is a wonderful writer. He uh, created the TV series Narcos, and he was able to channel uh, – the POV of what was happening in uh, 1963, but what's happening in 2019, 2020, 2021 America. Absolutely. And, and it's it's so cool how everything's kind of interlinked. Malcolm X, Cassius Clay, uh, Vinny Gigante. There's lots of great actors. We talked about Forrest Whitaker. Uh, Nigel Thatch reprises the Malcolm X role. Uh, Vincent Del Fornio, uh, hopefully. Dino- Vincent D'Anafia. D'Anafia. Okay, there's a gigante, um, yeah. Giancarlo Esposito, who's one of the most amazing actors I've ever seen. Uh, oh yeah, man, he's a he's one of the uh, all time one of my favorite actors. Like you know, you getting into the playground with him on scene. He's a great scene partner. He um he helps. He's very inspirational, uh, motivational when he, when you're in a scene with him. And I, I love working with these guys. I know. Yeah, I mean, John Carlo and and Forrest Whitaker, and, and there's there's just so many uh, right castings for this show. You know, like the the mob bosses. Um, of course, you've got uh, guys reprising Lucky Luciano and all these other uh, big mob bosses at the time. Um, what? Why would you take interest in the story of Bumpy Johnson? Well, I have a, a uh, an invested interest in that story because. My godmother is actually Margaret Johnson, the young lady that plays uh, Margaret Johnson. She's a wonderful actress by the name of uh, Demi Singleton. And um, check her out because she's going to be playing uh, Serena Williams in the new King uh, movie, King Richard, with uh, uh, with uh, Will Smith. And um starts off like every Sunday I used to go to Lenox Terrace. And my godmother, Margaret, used to tell me these wonderful, magical stories of Harlem. She used to tell me how she used to walk out of a tenement building and smell fresh laundry hanging out a window or walk past 125th Street and you see James Brown's name in a marquee or even walk past Sugar Ray Robinson's barbershop. You peep your head inside, you may see Jackie Wilson or Nat and Cole in a barber chair, walk down the block, you hear Sam Cooke's voice coming out of a transistor radio. All these wonderful things that were happening in the 60s. But she also was telling me about how African-Americans migrated from the South whether it's from North Carolina, Alabama, Florida, South Carolina and such, they would leave the Bull Connor South down there with the dogs and the fire hoses, thinking they're escaping racism, but racism was still prevalent up North. 
you know, with stories she would tell me that, you know, walking into a hat store for African-American person to buy a hat, the, 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 um, the owner of the store may say, put on a shower cap before you purchase this hat. Or, you know, a black family couldn't even, uh, couldn't even get a steak dinner on Sunday. They had to wait outside and have takeout while the other patrons is out in the back eating. So these were stories that just amazed me. But she also told me about her grandfather. His name was Ellsworth Raymond Johnson, who migrated from Charleston, South Carolina. And he was a Geechee Gullah, and he was from uh, South Carolina. But he didn't just come up to New York to say, I, I want to be a gangster. It, this wasn't what he wanted to do. He actually wanted to become an attorney, uh, such as what Malcolm X wanted to do. But when he went to City College to the bursar's office, they said, you know what? We don't give financial aid to colored folks. So he had to turn to what was given to him, the, the environment. He said, I'm going to make you regret those words. And he turned to a life of crime. And he was the only African-American that was able to sit down with, I'm talking about the real mob, the, the origin, like Lucky Luciano, Bugsy Siegel, Maya Lansky, Frank Costello, Vito Genovese. These guys are the uh, the, the original uh, mafia heads of the five families. And um, he was their liaison from Pleasant Avenue and uh, in West Harlem. But also, Bumpy was just a gangster. He had uh, actually... Um, he has published poetry. He read Nietzsche. He read Shakespeare. You know, he was a, a tortured soul. So if you look at the show, we're not trying to justify what he's doing. I mean, at the end of the day, he's a he's a gangster. Just because he bought the neighborhood book bags to send the kids back to school, that doesn't take away from what you you did to your community. You know, and uh, what I call this is not just entertainment. I call it edutainment, where you're entertaining and you're educating at the same time. I definitely learned a lot. Um, as you can see, I'm a lot younger, right? I'm, I'm in my 30s and learning about everything that was going on. It enlightened me about, you know, I tried comparing it to, to today. I mean, it goes in parallel with today. Uh, was that part of your pitch to the show? For the pitch to the show? Like, was it like the, 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 the show was described in a one, word, one sentence it's the collision of civil rights in the underworld. You're seeing a, uh, you know, I'm a, a mafia buff, mafia uh, mob aficionado, but you haven't seen it told through the, the lens of that. A gangster and his uh, his parallelity with a, uh, a, a, a civil rights leader, two civil rights leaders, you know. And, um, yeah, it's the, it's the same thing that's happening in 64, 63. It's happening in, in, in America today. Whether it's the LGBTQ movements, whether it's the Me Too movements, whether it's the BLM Black Lives Matters movement, you know, you see it every day. Everything is parallel. And unfortunately, we still have a lot of work to do to bring us back to humanity. That's the, it, it, it doesn't you know, you, you see it in the, in the in the storytelling that we're doing. And and constructing this idea for close to twenty years, how do you fully make it come round? Well, man, um, in 2015-2016, I was just let go from BET. I worked at Black Entertainment Television Television for over sixteen years, and um, I had to figure something out real fast, man. You know, Margaret, I made a promise to her. She told me I just want to get this story done before I leave this earth. And, you know, she was getting up there in age, you know, and uh, she wasn't very healthy. And uh, I remember leaving BET and not knowing what to do, where to turn. And I tell people 
that being comfortable is dangerous. You know, as a creator, you should always be creating. And I think this is my opportunity because I remember I used to sneak out and come back to lunch hoping that my boss doesn't call me because I'm going out for an audition. And, you know, I just couldn't, I couldn't keep living like that. You know, I didn't want to wake up Sunday feeling miserable that I had to go to work on Monday. So what happened was I was introduced to uh, uh, my partner, Jim Atchison, by uh, an individual by the name of Bernard Alexander. And Bernard is a heavyweight in the music industry. And um, he's, uh, you know, like my uncle. So I met Jim and we talked over the phone and I told Jim about, you know, about Bumpy Johnson. And Jim is a is a is a white boy from uh, Boston. He said, yeah, I know who Bumpy was. He recently told me he really didn't know who Bumpy was, but he's like, yeah, I know who Bumpy is. And, you know, yeah, the story can be good. So he did a, he did his research and he called me back. And uh, one day I remember sitting down and he said, um, how would you like Forrest Whitaker to possibly play Bumpy? I said, get the fuck out of here. Like, you know, I mean, because I, I didn't even meet Jim at the time, right? And um, Jim said, you know, my wife, she manages for us. And these, this is my brother and sister, Joanne Colano, who is a partner at Brillstein, in, in, Brillstein Entertainment in um, California. And uh, Jim, who's her husband. So Jim is my partner. And Jim, and Jim was very instrumental in helping bring this to fruition. And Forrest didn't commit at first to play Bumpy Johnson. Forrest committed to produce it with me. And Forrest took me under his wing like I was his little brother. And the, and the journey started, you know, and we had to find a writer. And, you know, like however the cards aligned, you could say it was a perfect poker deck. Chris Brancato lived right across the street from Jim. And Chris used to come to Jim's house for uh, uh, a good old big Italian meal that Joanne Colano would cook every Sunday. And Paul Eckstein and Chris are partners, and they created the first movie, Hoodlum, with Bumpy Johnson. And Bumpy's uh, Bumpy put Paul's grandmother through secretarial college. So all this weird energy was happening to where it aligned, where Paul flew, flew out and met me. We sat down and talked because Chris couldn't commit at the time because he was working on a couple of different projects. He was working on the, he was fresh off of Narcos and was working on the El Chapo series. And working on this project called Las Serenas. It was a pilot that was supposed to go on CBS that didn't get picked up. And Paul said, you know what, Mark? I want to do this with you. And Paul put in the, he burnt the midnight oil. I burnt the midnight oil. We, I did all the research and went to the Schomburg Museum and did research and tons and tons of research with a friend of mine, Tony Gentry. And uh, what I did was package this huge amount of of research, whether it was microfilm, whether it was newspaper articles. So when this show got picked up, God willing, the writers in the writer's room will have access to it while Paul was burning the midnight oil. So all Forrest was waiting is was waiting to see the script and read a script and see what it was. And um, Chris later on said, you know what? I can commit to you guys because this pilot is not happening. And we have to tell it from a different perspective. We're going to tell it from Bumpy leaving Alcatraz in 1963. Not the Harlem Renaissance Bumpy that everybody knows about with the Cotton Club and the Flappers and Dutch Schultz and the Madam Queen. We want to tell them more on the perspective of an older gangster coming home. 
trying to get reacquainted with, with a world that he really is trying to figure out right now. And after uh, doing my deal with uh, uh, with ABC with ABC Signature, which uh, Pat Moran and Tracy Underwood, who uh, who believed in the project just as well, we got a great script together after probably about 18 or 19 scripts and drafts and going back and forth with the studio. We took it out. To, we took it out to um, to sell. Now you would think it would it would it would have been easy to sell because I'm in the room with a an Academy Award winning actor and an Emmy nominated writer, Chris Brancato. But it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy because first of all, it was period. Second of all, you know, it was African American content, which I, that that's the way that I felt. You know, you know what I mean, like. Period. African American content, crime. Uh, we don't know if that's going to be a good, good sell. We got turned down by three networks, and um, I remember sitting in Disney, and my showrunner telling me that in order for you to be in your own show and to sell your show, you might as well get struck by lightning twice. Well, I got struck by lightning twice, and I'm here to tell about it. Um. Yeah, and we we went out with it. We got turned down by three networks. And I remember it was a new year and my showrunner sent an email to everybody saying, you know what, it was a noble failure. And I didn't, from where I'm from, I don't know what a noble failure means because I didn't have a plan B. See, Forrest can go uh, win another um, Oscar, right? Chris can go write a big movie for Robert Downey Jr. or whoever. Me, I had nothing. So this is like something that had to work for me and work for Margaret. So we, uh, you know, I remember sitting in my mother's house and um, Forrest called my phone six times because there was a there was another network that people really didn't hear about called Epics, but it's owned by MGM. And they're they're really doing big things over there. And. They said, well, Michael Wright, who's over at Epics, who just came from Steven Spielberg's company, Amblin Entertainment, wants to hear the pitch. After they sat down in the room and sold the pitch to him, he bought it in the room. I got the call from Forrest. And I was late. I was so excited. Like, you know, I was like, wow, this is really happening. This is surreal. And, and the journey started. It's so inspiring hearing that. I know uh, your ultimate goal is to move people. Uh, whether it's to laugh, to cry, it's all about the emotional connection. I mean, absolutely. I mean, you have to understand that this show is a conversation. It's not just about, you know, bang, bang, shoot them up. This is a conversation. I, you know, sometimes I troll on these forums and read people's comments and I love the, the, the conversation that it creates. You know, I've always wanted to have a show that Sunday, you know, growing up, we all wanted to watch the Cosby show together. Mommy, daddy, the kids sat down and became a family. You know, after working all week, you know, the the your father's right there, your mother's there, and you're there watching the Cosby show. I feel like this show has created that connection where everybody wants to watch this on Sunday and then have a great water cooler conversation on Monday. I fully agree with that. I mean, at the, at the beginning, it was uh, it started out with him in jail, uh, and it, it's the story's told well, it's written really well. And you just got to pay attention because there's different characters and different aspects of it, but it all comes together. Um, I'm just about to start season two. I know the second half of season two is going to start very soon, um, but I got to catch up on the first half of it. Um, 
what a cool, cool inspirational story, man. Thank you so much for coming on. There's just so much to talk about this show, and it'd be cool to sit down with each of the actors and just ask them about their aspect of becoming involved in this. Um, I know your past, uh, your brother is Father MC. and uh, yeah. Well, yeah, that's my that's my older brother, man. I I'm a uh, I'm a a road kid. I grew up on the road. I grew up in entertainment. My brother, um, he used to work at Kentucky Fried Chicken, and he oh, yeah. um, and I kind of get inspired by him. I'm gonna keep it real with you because he said he wanted he was gonna be a rapper. That's what he did. You know, they used to call him the Flower God because he used to come outside with flower all on his shirt. But he was like after after he got off of work, he. He looked like the the flyest cat in the in in the hood, you know, silk shirts and valleys. He acted the part, you know. He was a rapper already before he even got signed, you know. You so you have to always believe in yourself and become that person, you know. what I'm saying, if you want to be a boss, show up to work dressed like a boss, you know. I fully agree. Like, I bring that image to the forefront and just and become that person. And I know you always felt that you needed to be in this position, and that's why. Um, you you visualize right. You, you visualize and face your energy and and point it towards the way you want to go. Um, your 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 brother was signed to Uptown MCA, which is pretty cool. Yeah, um, he was signed to Uptown Records. MCA was the actually distributor. Andre Harrell, uh, that was his label, Uptown, and then he did a deal and became Uptown MCA. Uh, uh, Sean Combs, everybody knows him as Puff Daddy, Pete Diddy. Now he's known as Love. That was our um my brother's A and R. You know, he inspired me too, um, in a way by telling me to believe in myself. And yeah, we had a great time. I mean, Tupac was one of my good friends. Like I was a roadie for my brother. So for your audience that don't know, that doesn't know what a roadie is, I I did all the grunt work. I carried the suitcases. I had to break down shows, uh, the show uh, props. Um, I had to carry the turntables, which were called coffins. They were like huge, uh, coffins velvet uh like uh felt covered coffins that you put to 1200 technique 1200s and i had to make sure that that tape was not lost so we can have it for the next show you know so i didn't uh i didn't it was it was fun but it was hard work you know and uh, myself and Pac, we used to have conversations all the time you know after after our work just sitting down talking about our dreams our aspirations Pac always said he was going to be a rapper you know i said to myself you know, I have some, I have a bucket list. I want to produce a TV show. Then I want to do a film and I want to, you know, I want to see myself on screen. I want to, I want to, I want to do music. I just want to create. It's so cool, man. Uh, meeting someone such, such as you, uh, who, who faces their energy towards the, the world and, and tries to project and, 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 and dreaming is honestly, when you dream and you go for it, it's, it's the most amazing thing when things happen, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I, I love to connect with people who have dreams. And that's one of the reasons why I connected with Johnny Famous for the uh, with the shoe line, because he had a dream himself that he brought to fruition. And I saw all the hard work that he was doing. See, a lot of people uh, nowadays, they want a microwave dream. They don't believe in the marathon. They believe in something, uh, a quick fix. And I, I don't like to surround my people. I don't like to surround myself with people like that. He, so, you know, somebody like Johnny, whose story is inspiring, and he actually is doing this on his own as an entrepreneur. You know, I've, I've got his back and anything that I can do. So those are the type of people that I like. Don't ask me to put you on. Like, nobody put me on. Nobody paid for my SAG dues. Nobody, 
sits up and have to come up with ideas or that's no one's on the uh, Zoom calls and, and, and doing meetings. And even as an actor in the show, I had to audition for my own role. You know what I mean? So nothing was given to me. It's cool seeing you on the screen, you know, it's uh, there, there's a there's a few scenes where you're at the at Bumpy's office there and then you're, you're talking. And and the one time when you, you're arguing outside the hotel when they're going to try and get get the snitch inside. Yeah. Uh, and it's in season two. You'll see my characters start to evolve more. You know, um, these characters that are, are that you are seeing on Godfather Harlem are real characters. Jameson Juni Bird was one of Bumpy's trusted lieutenants. Bumpy actually died in his arms in 1968. Um, uh, Del Chance is one of uh, is based off a guy by the name of Chisholm, who actually was one of uh, Bumpy's uh, trusted bodyguards. Nat Pettigrew, one of Bumpy's uh, trusted lieutenants. So these are all real, real people and real individuals. It's incredible, man. Finally, the question: It's called Meet Me for Coffee. How do you take your coffee? I don't drink coffee, brother. No, but I can no, meet you for coffee. some lemonade or oh, some yeah. dragon fruit lemonade, but yeah. I've never had coffee before in my life. That's something, you know, one of the vices that I've never done. <laughs> hey, you know what? Dragon fruit lemonade, where do you get that from? Starbucks? Starbucks. So that's why I said yeah, I can meet yeah. you at Starbucks for some dragon fruit lemonade. I'm down for that. Thank you so much, man. Thank you.